Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Um, I just want to say, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of people over here and less over here. So just so you know, there's more seating here. And as people come in, I don't know, the bathrooms and check-ins are over there. So it seems like the room's about to fall this way all the time. But anyway, good to see you guys. And uh, thank you, um, Adam, for making that announcement about parking. And uh, if you guys get here early or whatever, like you said, if you could, those of you with mobility issues or whatever, you got you know, kids you're dropping off, that's fine. But you know, we're trying to maximize our parking space um, for the rest of the year. But at the beginning of January 2022, the second Sunday, we're going to go to two services. So bam, there you go. Um, so get ready for that. We'll be talking about that more in the future, but um, we're going to get through the fall. The parking seems to be the biggest bottleneck of our church right now. There's a little more seating here. Um, there's a little more room in the kids area, although it is filling up. Um, but we're going to go to two services in Janu- January 9th, the second Sunday of January. And so we will be looking for your help come that time. But sometimes in the winter, uh, you know, there's snow out there and it's already hard to park people. So we, we figured we got we to gotta make some decisions. And we just feel the Lord preparing us to um, set some things in motion to prepare for the harvest, prepare for more people and prepare to touch the world with God's love. Amen? Come on. So, all right, if you have your Bibles, get them out. Um, last week, we began a series called Builders of the Wall. The question that we're kind of asking in this um, series is, what does it look like to have a life-giving, spirit-filled church? We try to explore that every week. We try to ask that question every week. You know, um, I want to lead and I want to pastor a life-giving, spirit-filled church. Not just because I want to be in charge of a great church, because I want to be the recipient of a great, spirit-filled, life-giving Like, I come here and I receive life, you know? Like you guys bless me and that ministry happening and it doesn't all just hinge on me. The other people, their gifts are at working and I love that God and his brilliance coordinates this kind of thing. And so I love that it, it doesn't, I don't just carry, I don't just pour into this church. This church pours into me. That's the kind of church I want to lead, amen? So I'm not just the president, I'm also a client, okay? For those of you who are a little older, that's a reference to a hair club for men commercial, okay? So... Not just the president of the organization, I'm also a client. Okay. Uh, last week, we did a message um, called The Fivefold Church. We talked about the fivefold ministry. Ephesians 4 says that Christ Himself has given apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. And these administrators build up, strengthen, encourage, edify the body of Christ for the work of ministry. I don't have time to go into a full review, but one thing I had mentioned is that it's, it's like Jesus took himself, because how many know Jesus was the greatest apostle to ever live, the greatest prophet to ever live, the greatest evangelist to ever live, the greatest teacher to ever live, the greatest pastor to ever live. Okay, I got them all right. Um, he, it's as if he took himself and he, and he dispersed his giftings, but he didn't disperse it all just into one person, right? It's like he took 20, you get 20%, you get 20%, you get 20%. So one-fifth of Jesus' ministry, he, he dispersed into the apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, and evangelist. I think he did that for two reasons, two reasons that I can think of. Maybe there's more. 
the two reasons I can think of is number one, if you gave everyone all those giftings, like someone's just walking in the, the office of the apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, and evangelist, I just think that person, the opportunity for pride in that person would be pretty big. Because you know, you're clicking on all cylinders. Even the apostle Paul talked about at times in his ministry, lest I become puffed up with pride. He talked about himself because all the revelation the apostle Paul was receiving. Um, he said, lest I become puffed up with pride. And he talked about that in his epistles. So I think that's number one, why God would disperse his ministry, the fivefold ministry into different people. The other thing is the other reason I believe that um, happened is because God and his brilliance has set it up in such a way that we need each other. We need the body of Christ. I don't have everything to offer. You don't have everything to offer. We need each other. This is one of the reasons why we come together. All right. So um, an example that I used to make this illustration was a prism. If you take solid light and you sh- a white light and you shine it into a prism, it breaks up that. Now all those wavelengths exist within the light, but it breaks it up into its constituent wavelengths. Right. Um, now, uh, several of you, when I gave that illustration, including my wife Emily, informed me that apparently I used Pink Floyd's "Dark Side of the Moon" album cover. When I put that picture up, but I want to know, I want you to know that I double checked. So that's the dark side of the moon, right? Okay. That's 1973. Those of you older or a hippie would know this. Okay. But I want you to know it's not exactly the same. Go, go to the next one. Okay. That's the one I used. It's not Pink Floyd. It's not dark side of the moon. Got it. All right. Yeah, you were not the only one that mentioned that to me, so. All right. They're similar, but not the same. Okay. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Why? Why would he do this? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. How long will this last? Verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I dare say that will not fully happen until we're all with him in heavenly glory. How, amen. How many know that we won't need the pastor in heaven because we'll have the great, the, great, the great pastor in heaven. We won't need the apostle. We have a great apostle in heaven. We won't need the evangelist in heaven, right? And we won't need these other administrations in heaven because we'll all be there and we will have revelation of him. Okay. But thank God for these, um, these um, gifts who are people to the body of Christ to build up and equip you guys and me for the work of ministry. Um, okay, so in this series, I talked about that last week, I felt like the Lord gave me a practical angle for how to um, build a life-giving, spirit-filled, fivefold church, which is awesome. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of explain to you how this came about. A few weeks ago, I usually, um, I usually read the Bible straight through. I kind of like read through, get to the end, and start over. Sometimes I'll read through and then read the New Testament again. So I'll do the New Testament twice sometimes and then go back to the beginning and read through. And that's just kind of what I do. Um, if, you're new, if you're a new believer, you're a new Christian, um, I, I, I would suggest maybe starting with the Gospels and reading through. Don't maybe jump to the Old Testament yet. Go back to that later. But that's what I do. Uh, my wife is much different. She's all over the place. She's like, I'm like, where are you at today, babe? She's like, I'm in Nehemiah next day. Where are you at, babe? I'm in Ephesians, you know. She's just all over the place. I don't get it, but I'm, I'm more like, let's, 
let's keep this together. You know, I mean, she's jumping all over the place. But um, the other day I was kind of, I, I, I try to read every, every morning and sometimes in the evening. Um, the other day I'm kind of in a hurry and I'm like, I'm just going to open to kind of whatever and um, I'll just read what's there. And now it wasn't like Bible roulette, you know what I mean? Where some of you are like, Lord, I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. Huh. Uh, if your brother sins against, or sister sins against you, point out their fault between... That's actually probably a good word for some people. So <laughs> point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen, you have won them over. If they do not listen, take one or two... Okay, so that, that actually could apply in some cases for sure. Um, others, it's like, God, do you love me? And then it's like, this is the chapter and verse, and Jesus wept. It's like, uh, am I doing a good job? You know. So I'm not a proponent of Babu roulette, um, but God can certainly move in that regard. But it wasn't exactly Babu roulette. I just kind of opened, and um, I just thought I would read what's right in for me. And I opened up to Nehemiah chapter 3. Now, I had just recently read the book of Nehemiah because I'm in the Psalms right now. And the title of Nehemiah 3, it's where we get our series title. The title of Nehemiah 3 in my Bible was Builders of the Wall. Okay, and that's where we're getting the series name here. Um, Nehemiah 3 tells the story of the exiles returning back to their homeland. And it describes how the exiles rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem. It actually details who built what sections of the wall. Okay. Now, if you read Nehemiah 3, you will notice that there are 10 gates. They rebuilt, as they rebuilt this wall, there are 10 gates that are listed so when I look at the page, the Holy Spirit drops this idea in my, in my mind. Sometimes I get sermon series ideas because I'm like, I think the church needs to know about this. Or, you know, I've been wanting to teach on this for a while. Um, or sometimes the Holy Spirit just says, hey, here's just, you just drop something in your heart. So when I look at the page, I'm, I'm reading, the Holy Spirit drops this idea in my heart or this question. And this is the question I ask. What if the 10 gates listed here in Nehemiah 3 are a snapshot of attributes of what a life-giving New Testament church looks like. Just boop, kind of drops in my heart. Or a prophetic, a prophetic picture of a healthy New Testament church. Um, I love this one. Harmony was teaching on the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit um, last year. She said that, how many know, the Bible couldn't be infinitely long, so God had to make it infinitely deep, right? And many times there are layers to Scripture. Um, give me an example, a couple examples of this. Um, the book of, in the book of Revelation, there's, um, John wrote letters to the seven churches of Revelation. Okay? Now, there's a few different ways to interpret those letters. Number one, are they seven literal letters to seven literal churches? Well, yes, they were at that time. In fact, most of the New Testament, Paul's writings, they were letters addressed to certain people. So in that regard, none of it would ever apply to us, right? But how many know we can take those spiritual truths... And they're timeless truths for all the church throughout all of church history. Okay. Uh, another way to look at um, uh, the seven churches of Revelation is that, and it actually, the, the shoe just kind of fits, um, is where you can say, uh, the, starting with the church in Ephesus, that's kind of the picture of the early church. And it goes for, throughout church history. And now we're like living in the Laodicean hour. And that, that letter appears and fits very good with what we see within the body of Christ in this hour, like we're living in the Laodicean hour. And so that's layers to scripture. Um, I'll give you another example of this is uh, how many have read the book, the Song of Solomon? 
Song of Songs. Uh, we're, we're getting our daughter, Evie, to read the Bible more. And we didn't tell her where to go. So one day she's like, uh, I was reading Song of Solomon, and it's kind of inappropriate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And, okay, so maybe don't start your kids in Song of Solomon. It's not. But, okay, Song of Solomon. Is it a real love story between King Solomon and the Shulamite bride? Yes. Yes, it's a real love story. Um, and you can learn about the beauty of human love through that. Uh, can it be interpreted, though, the Song of Solomon, as an allegory? Yes, absolutely. It's a, can, it be, uh, uh, can it be interpreted as a prophetic picture? of God's love story for the Jewish people in general and the nation of Israel in particular? Yes. Can it be in, uh, interpreted as a prophetic picture of Christ's love for his bride, the church? Yes, absolutely. Can it be interpreted as Christ, our heavenly bridegroom's love for us individually? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I just have to say, many times scriptures have layers to them. Um, and I felt like the Lord showed me that the 10 gates listed in Nehemiah 3 are a prototype. Uh, they put a little more meat on the bone of what a fivefold ministry New Testament church can look like. Um, now, I don't know if this particular series and this message is a timeless message for all churches and like other people can pick this up. I don't know if it's that or if it's just a message for us, if God's just helping me lead this church uh, in this. I, that time will tell if that's the case. But in my view, this shoe kind of fits here, and, and the Lord's just been highlighting this to me. So um, there are 10 gates, Nehemiah 3, that we're going to focus on. Each of these gates will help us paint the picture of what a life-giving church looks like. They're metaphors of, of what a life-giving church looks like. My prayer is that each of us would see ourselves as builders of the wall. Okay, We are all builders of this wall, this church. Um, and I just want to mention this. Um, this was in the announcements, but if you're uh, new to City Lights Church and you've never become a member, you want to uh, learn more about our church, I just want to uh, mention again that our Belong class is after service. We provide lunch and child care. And if you're interested in um, becoming uh, part of this church and becoming a member, it doesn't obligate you to become a member to come to that class, but um, we give you that opportunity. The other thing we do, though, in that class is we give people opportunity to plug in and to serve. And so we we uh, want you and hope that you are plugged in in some way in this church serving. I mentioned at the beginning of the message uh, that we're going to go to two services in January. The great thing about two services is that you, can, you don't have to miss church to serve. You can, you can attend one and you can serve one. And honestly, if everyone just serves even like once a month, I think we'd have more than enough people to fill all the, the, the roles and the needs that we have. So I just want to encourage you to plug in in that way. We're really going to need more help. Um, come January 9th. So, okay, Nehemiah 3, uh, chapter, um, verse 1 and 2, we'll read this real quick. Real quick. Um, Elizab, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated as far as the Tower of Hanel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imar, built next to them, okay? Today, we're going to focus on the first gate, which is the sheep gate. How many sheep we got out there? <laughs> ah, all right. Okay. <laughs> You're sheep. I don't know if you know this, okay? Um, sheep are the most mentioned 
animals in the Bible. They are constantly used as an illustration for, for God's people, for followers of Christ. Okay, This illustration is used often. Um, and here's the deal. When you start a church, we started a church three and a half, coming up on four years in January. When you start a church, you have many passion projects. There's a lot of things you want to do. There's world missions you want to do. There's you know, youth group and men's and women's ministries. You have all these ideas of things, you passion projects you want to do. But how many know if you don't build the sheep gate, you don't build that first, you can't build anything else. First, you have to provide a place where the spiritual needs of the people are being met, and then you build upon that. Okay, you have to build the sheep gate. Um, <clears throat> so ministry could be defined as this, meeting people at the point of their spiritual need, meeting people at the point of their spiritual need. And so I'll ask you this question. Which of the fivefold offices, apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist, do you think would be the gatekeeper of the sheep gate? Come on, you got a pastor. This is low-hanging fruit here, okay? The word pastor, in some translations, is actually just interpreted shepherd. It's just interpreted shepherd, okay? Um, that's what pastors are. They shepherd God's flock. They feed, they nourish, they take care of they gather God's flock. Pastors are always trying to get people together. Get in the room. Come on, guys. Gather. You're online. Come to church. Evangelists is the opposite. They're like, what are you doing in here? Get out there. Get some people saved, all right? But these, these offices balance one another, okay? Um, so the, the word pastor, it just it means shepherd. Years ago, when I was doing college ministry, in fact, I think it was, it was Mike... Mike Murphy, he, he would call, he would just call me Shepherd. Hey, Shep, Shep. A lot of the people call me Shep, Shepherd. Um, and they called Emily Mother Hen. They're like Mother Hen and Shepherd. You know, that's what they call. So that's what a pastor is. They, they shepherd God's flock. Okay. All right. So today I want to give you, and I think this will bless you. I want to give you three attributes of, of being a sheep, being God's sheep. Because we're all sheep. Um, we're all part of God's flock, God's pastor. I want to give you three attributes of God's sheep. Number one. Christ's sheep have a personal relationship with him. A personal relationship with him. Okay, your relationship to God is not through me, not through the pastor, although I hope and pray that I bless you and it encourages your relationship. It's not through me. Um, it's not through your parents. It's not through your grandparents. Um, it's, it's direct. God wants to have a direct connection to you. Amen. Uh, John, um, it's so personal two-way relationship. John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. So there's pastors who are shepherds, but we're under shepherds of the greatest shepherd, okay? I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep uh, know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, okay? I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Christ's followers have a personal relationship, a personal connection to him. I've, I've, I've preached on this before a little bit, but the word um, know, it's the, the Greek word gnosko. Everyone say gnosko. Okay, it's Strong's 1097. Uh, it means this, uh, to know, especially through personal experience, firsthand acquaintance, or to uh, experientially know. Okay, this is not a casual knowing, or it's, it's firsthand knowledge, firsthand experience, okay? So, your relationship with God is not supposed to be a second-hand relationship. It's not supposed to be you vicariously having a relationship through someone else. It's first-hand relationship. God wants to speak to you personally. 
And we mentioned this during the ministry time. We get words and we, we lead and we feel like God's saying this to bless people, but he wants to speak to you every day individually. He wants to lead you every day. And you, you can hear his voice. Okay, um, let me cross-reference this, this word, um, gnosko. In Luke one thirty four, the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, he told Mary, you're, you're going to conceive and you're going to give birth to, to a son. You're going to give birth to the Messiah. And this is what Mary, Mary said, how can this be since I do not know a man? I do not gnosko. I have not had experiential knowledge with a man. In other words, I'm a virgin, right? Okay, how could this be? I, I don't have, I've not had intimate, personal, one-on-one experiential knowledge with a man. That's the, the same Greek word is used. Okay, here's the point. Here's the point. God wants to have, I'm not talking about sex, but God does want to have intimate, personal, experiential knowledge with you. Okay, he wants you to have experiences with him and to walk with him that isn't through anyone else. It's direct, direct connect. Can I get a witness? All right. I hear, I hear children. <laughs> Speaking of intimate knowledge. <sighs> okay. So it's personal, right? Okay, so he says this, John, John 10, 14, 15. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Watch this. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Okay, this is good. The word just as here, it's Strong's 2531. It means this. Uh, kathos. It means in proportion to the degree that, uh, just as, in direct proportion, corresponding fully or exactly. Okay? Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Jesus is saying this. I know my sheep. My sheep know me to the extent, to the degree that I know the Father and the Father knows me. Guys, that is an amazing promise for us. I don't, know if, I don't know if I could overstate how amazing this is. Jesus says, I know my sheep, and to the extent we can know him is in exact proportion to how well Jesus and the Father know one another. Let me ask you a question. How well does Jesus and the Father know one another? Okay, perfectly. They're, they're actually one. They're... They're one and the same. If you see me, you've seen the Father. Like, they're in relationship with one another, right? They know everything about one another. I dare say we have not fully realized how deep this relationship with Christ can go. And thank God we have the eons of eternity to, to, to continue to go deep with the Lord and to, and to find out the glorious riches of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Amen? Man, this thing, you're, ne- you're never going to wear this out. You'll never wear out the depths of his love for you and knowledge of you and intimacy with you. You can't tap it out. You can't get to the bottom of it. We're going to spend eternity learning about the Lord and going deep with him, okay? But Jesus says that's our potential. Our potential is we can know him. We can have such an intimate relationship with him just as Jesus and the Father know one another. That's so good right there. Come on. Okay. So I have a question for you today. Is your relationship with Jesus casual? Is it casual? If it is, I just want you to know God wants to have much, much, much more with you. He desires more than anything to have an intimate, personal relationship with you. Okay? Christ's sheep have a personal, two-way relationship with him. Now, um, we do altar calls here at this church where we, we, um, we, we present the gospel and we give people an opportunity 
to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And how many know that's a free gift? Salvation is a free gift. And I think people come to church and they, yeah, I trust in Christ. I'll take the free gift. Done. I'll take it, you know. Um, But many times we view that as like, I got my fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. But listen, this is an invitation for more than just that. That's the beginning point. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, that is the, the very, very beginning point. And if you don't take that relationship and go further with it, get in the word every day, pray every day. I'm just saying you're not utilizing what this amazing thing that God has given us. All right. It's an intimate, personal, two-way relationship. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Point, that's point number one, which leads us to point number two. Christ's sheep hear his voice and follow him. Okay. Christ's sheep hear his voice and follow him. Imagine this. Imagine you lived... Some people don't really believe that God speaks to us today. And I just, I can't get my head around that, that God wouldn't want to speak to you today. Yes, we have our Bible, but can you imagine living, living in a house and you have a dad in a house and the dad never spoke to you? Like you just grew up in that house and, and, at, and at best maybe he wrote, wrote you some letters before you were born. If, if you encounter this problem, read this letter. And if you encounter this problem, read this letter. Now that would be great, but how many know if you're going through something in that moment, you want to hear in that moment what you're going through? Okay, that's, that's the way it is with us. Whatever we're going through, whatever we're walking through, God has an answer for it today. And he wants to speak that to you today. And then he can highlight the scripture that you need for today. <clears throat> okay, John 1, 12, it says this. To all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, okay, I think that's all of us or most of us in this room, to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, There's more. He gave us the right to become children of God. Okay, children have the right to hear their father's voice. Children not born of natural descent or human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. Okay, you have the right to hear your father's voice. You have the right. It's part of your inheritance to hear the father's voice, to hear God's voice, to have him speak to you. It's part of your inheritance. And listen, one of the reasons why we encourage people to read the word so much is it contextualizes his voice. Many times he'll highlight a scripture. I'm going to go look at that scripture, and that's his word to you. If you want to grow in the gifts of the Spirit and in prophecy, this gives you a reference point and to, to grow in that gift. So, of course, we're in the Logos word every day. We want to be in, in, in the word every day, but it's the rhema revelation that he also wants to, he wants this to come alive. He wants the pages on this book to come alive, and the Holy Spirit does that in our lives. Amen? Okay, so... Jesus said this, John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Okay, Christ's sheep follow him. Many times in church or whatever, we teach about leadership. Leadership, and leadership's good. We need to teach people how to be leaders. But how many know we also need to teach followership? In fact, we don't want anyone leading in leadership who doesn't first have followership, okay? Uh, maybe you haven't been put into a leadership position because your followership isn't quite up to par yet, okay? Be a follower of Jesus. What what do we do? We hear his words. We hear his voice. We hear his teaching. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you don't just listen to his words. You do his words. You follow his words, amen? Okay, so follow the leader, okay? Jesus is the leader. All right, that's point number two. Point number three, attributes of Jesus. Sheep. Point number three, Christ's sheep gather together. Okay? 
Sheep, by nature, are herd animals. Okay? Um, they, in other words, sheep want to get together. There's something innate about sheep and born in them that they want to be together. All right? Um, and it's the same with Christians. Christians should have something innate in them that desires to get with other believers and to be with other believers. We're herd animals. We're supposed to be herd animals, okay? Now, occasionally, you'll hear of a sheep going astray, but that's not the sheep's nature, okay? Your nature isn't to go astray, and your nature isn't to be by yourself. Just like your nature isn't to sin, your old nature is to sin. And, and how many know, like, yeah, sometimes we might be going along in life and we stumble, but that's not our nature. That was our old nature. We need to focus on our new nature, which is not to sin. You're actually, your new nature in Christ is not to sin anymore, and so many times, I get so bugged by this. You hear preachers and people like, well, you know, uh, we're, you know we're always going to sin and we're always going to mess up because we're all failures and we all suck. You know, and then they wonder why everyone's failing and, and sucking. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> because you're, that's what you're preaching. Okay. Can you imagine going to, you're, you have a football coach and you're like, okay, team, let's get together. You know, you're all going to drop the ball. You're all going to fumble. And, you know, we're all always going to lose games. But maybe we'll win a game, but we're always going to lose games too. And what kind of a football coach is that? Okay. No, no. It's, it's your wide receiver. Your nature is to catch the ball. Okay. You're running back. Your nature is to not drop the ball. Okay. Occasionally you might slip up along the way, but that's not your nature. Your nature is not to sin. Your nature is to manifest the righteousness of Christ to this world and to shine the love of Jesus everywhere you go. And so why do we lower the bar so much? Come on. That's a good word right there. So today, if you're messing up and you're stumbling, I just want to say, that's not who you are. It's like your kids, if they, you know, they tell a lie, you don't say you're a liar for the rest of their life. You say, okay, you lied. That's not who you are. I'm going to call you higher because that's not what we taught you to be. Okay, as Christians, we're not teaching you to be sinners. We're teaching you to be saints. <laughs> okay, and yeah, you might stumble along the way. Don't give up. Don't fall into condemnation, uh, condemnation. But don't look at the failure and then just, well, let's sit down here at the failure because I'm a failure and I'm just going to stay here and look at that failure forever. No, you just get up and keep looking forward and keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? That's your nature. Okay. <clears throat> but sheep by nature... Sheep by nature are herd animals, okay? Um, Charles Spurgeon said this. Some Christians try to go to heaven alone in solitude, but believers are not compared to bears or lions or other animals that wander alone. Those who belong to Christ are, uh, those who belong to Christ are sheep in this respect, and they love to get together. Sheep go in flocks, and so do God's people. Okay, sheep go in flocks. And maybe you're stumbling along the way or you're messing up, or you're depressed, or whatever, because you are isolated from the herd. Okay, God wants you to be part of the herd. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you're not saved if you don't go to church, but there should be an innate part of us that wants to gather with other believers in Christ. Okay, and I would say this: if you don't desire to get together and be with other believers, um, and not just your family, your direct little family, okay. I have churches with my family. No, come on. you got to get in a community of people, okay? If you don't desire to be with other believers, you probably need to ask the question, why? Why don't you want to connect with other believers? 
Is there a lie you're believing? Is there, did something traumatic happen? Were you hurt in some way? Okay, ask the question why? Because your innate desire as a Christian should be to be with other believers. Or maybe it's pride. I don't need, I don't need other people, you know. Or maybe you're selfish. But listen, I just want to say, like, you don't just come to church to receive. You come to church to connect with other people. And maybe, maybe you feel like you're good in your life, but you don't know. Maybe there's someone in this church that needs your mentorship. Maybe there's someone in the youth group who needs you to pour into them. And you're just skating home every week and not connecting with anyone. Listen, we're a body of Christ. We need each other. And maybe you have something to offer, okay? So ask yourself why. Why don't you have the desire to connect with the other believers? You should. <clears throat> maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a trauma. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you're just not realizing who you are, okay? But uh, you're going against your nature. We are compared to herd animals, not lone soldier animals, okay? Um, to illustrate this, I have a video that I want to play in a second. And um, this, this last summer, my wife and I, we went up to uh, mountains, did some vacationing, some hiking. And we mixed in some rest days. And on one of our rest days, we went over to Telluride. And Telluride's a real pretty place. You know, did the gondola and all that fun stuff. But um, <clears throat> it had been raining a lot. And we were trying to get back to where the town we were staying, which was Montrose. We were trying to go back there. And there was a mudslide, and we couldn't leave town. And I'm kind of a, um, I don't know, non-compliant person usually. It's like, they're like, you can't leave town because the road's closed. I'm like, but is it closed, you know? <laughs> when I see those, con- I have a four-wheel drive vehicle, so the options are more open to me. But when I see, like, road closed, I'm like, is it really? Is it really closed, you know? <laughs> and I always kind of see if I can find a way around it or whatever. Uh, so we're, we're up until you're right. I'm like, well, we can't go this way because they're stopping us, but maybe there's another way, you know, to get out of town in a four-wheel drive trail or something like that. So I start driving through town, and we go up, you know, on some of the side roads by the airport, and I start to notice, like, there's some other four-wheel drive vehicles up here. I'm not the only one with this idea. Like, there's other people, and pretty soon we form, like, this convoy of four-wheel drive vehicles Clearly, we're all just like, we're not going to wait here until this road opens. We're trying to get out. And it got to a point where I, I probably wouldn't have gone by myself, but because we were part of this convoy of, like, four-wheel drive vehicles, I'm like, if I get stuck, you know, because there was some muddy four-wheel drive places, if I get stuck, you know, we can pull each other out. So there's this confidence in, in numbers here, you know. But anyway, we get to this, we get to this point, and we're, we're coming up over a pass, there's a cliff on one side, it's real steep, and there's a herd of sheep just up here in the mountains. Herd of sheep, it's raining, and there's a shepherd there. And I would say we did everything possibly in our power just by being there to disrupt this herd of sheep to get these sheep to scatter. But they didn't scatter. They just kind of kept coalescing, coming back to the same place, like, because that's the nature of sheep. So we'll go and roll this video, and we'll illustrate this point. Oh no, here they come. Oh gosh. Okay. Hey. <laughs> what in the world? This is wild. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. They don't know it. What is happening right now? Oh, this poor shepherd. Oh, 
They're hitting the car. The car is shaking. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. What in the world? Oh, my word. Okay, here they come. Here they come. Bye. This is pretty wild. Go this way. Go this way. Yeah. Oh, there's a bunch of cars on there. There's a better survivor. Nuh-uh. What? Yeah, that's what it says. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> okay, those sheep, they're on a cliff. They're on the side of a hill. And they have to get around us, but those sheep wanted to huddle. They wanted to stay together. Occasionally, a sheep does go straight, but that's why there's a shepherd, amen? Comes and gets you back together, okay? <laughs> Christians are sheep people. They're supposed to stay together. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to, toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. COVID got some people in a bad habit, okay, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. How many of you take, um, how many here take supplements like multivitamins? Okay, I take I don't know if you should or not. I'm, I do. I take multivitamins. I take supplements. But listen, supplements aren't supposed to be your... You don't only take supplements. You don't just eat vitamins. That's a good way to get really sick, by the way. So let's take it with food, okay? Supplements are supplementing maybe something in your diet that you might not have, okay? But they're not supposed to be your primary meal. And I'll say it like this. Um, whether you listen to podcasts on your phone or preaching on your phone, um, great sermons, great worship, you're watching online, or you're listening to the sermon later, I just want to say those are there to bless you. you got a sick kid. You, you had to miss because of work or different things. We have those mechanisms there to bless you and thank God for those things. But I just want to say those are supposed to be supplements. Okay? The primary meal is supposed to be coming to church, and it's, it's more than just experiencing the teaching that's recorded, or the worship that's recorded, it's being connected to a body of believers, okay? That's part of the meal that God has for us, okay? And so um, I just want to encourage you guys to um, come back. Come back to church if you're still... Thank God for the, for the live streaming and all that, but if you're still out there because of COVID and you've gotten to a habit, it's a bad habit, so you need to break it, okay? Come be with people, all right? And it's not easy. Like, people are weird and hard and do things that make you mad. Like, that's a relationship, you know? I've been married to my wife for 16 years, and we have ups and downs and good and bad and ugly, right? Because that's a relationship. But it's a real relationship. I don't have a relationship with, you know, an idea. I have a relationship with a person, and people have things. But it's rewarding, is it not? It's rewarding. So, amen. Come on. So to conclude with this, I'll just kind of wrap up with this. John 10, 7 through 10, Jesus said this, Verily, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the sheep gate. 
All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Uh, pasture. Okay. The main job of the under shepherd, a pastor, is to point to the good shepherd, the great shepherd, Jesus. Okay. He is the gate. Um, in order to, to um, have a life-giving church, we must build the sheep gate where people can come in and go out. Jesus is the gate. The pastors are the, uh, the gatekeepers. But listen, we all have the responsibility to build the wall. Amen? We all have a responsibility to build the wall. And so, again, if you um, have never plugged into church here, never become a member, never gotten on a team, I just want to encourage you, come to our Belong class and hear all about it. We'd love to um, get you more involved in, in those kind of things because it's not just what, you, what we can get out of you, it's what we can get for you. Okay? It's a life-giving experience for you as well. Okay? And so I'm going to pray and then, and then we'll close. Um, Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for um, the body of Christ, Lord. We thank you that you've called us to live together, to dwell together, to do life together, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, Lord. And we just... Um, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us to gather the sheep, keep the sheep together, Lord. And I just thank you for your people, Lord God, that they're called to help build this wall, Lord. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing in this church. We thank you for the ministry that happened today, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Prayer counselors, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to call them counselors. They're called prayer team, ministry team. Hannah tells me every week, don't call them prayer counselors. They're not going to counsel you, okay? They're the ministry team. They're going to minister to you, all right? All right, so uh, ministry team, please come forward. Uh, and if you need prayer for anything um, going on today, we want to pray for you. They are our prayer warriors. Okay, so, and I'm going to let Emily close up here. God bless you guys. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.